What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pace and Space podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of Kyle Kuzma. I am your host, Calvin, and with me, like always, is my co-host, Leif. Leif, what's going on? You know, when I'm thinking about that intro that you do, I think we have to change it just a little bit. Oh, yeah? We need to start talking about how this should be the official pod of Joel Embiid. Ooh, yes. Yes. I think it's time. Well, Leif, you got right to it. You got right to it. We we got a lot of things to talk about. Um, We're going to talk, and one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is Joel Embiid. Why? Because, much to my chagrin, but much to your elation, Embiid had a career night in the Staples Center against my Los Angeles Lakers, didn't he? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And. Like he says, no one can guard him. No one can stop him. He he was remarkable. And that's exactly the player who we thought he could be. There's still concerns about his health. But if he's healthy, we can expect that kind of play all the time. And to say he's only 69%. So, I mean, come on now. I mean, well... He was being a little. I know, uh, I know. <laughs> with that, but yeah, in trusting the process is looking really good right now. I mean, this is what Hinky died for, right? He died for the yeah. sins of the Philadelphia fan base, so that they can enjoy Joel Embiid right now, right? Um, exactly. And he, you know, he's amazing. He's amazing. He. He's hitting that point where he's becoming a superstar if he isn't already. Um, there's very few players, big men players in general, you might you you're gonna want before you pick him, right? Given his his skill set, his talent, and I mean not just to talk about him, but Ben Simmons too, man. Whew, wow, Ben Simmons is amazing too. Yeah, and. 6'10", going up and down the court, looking for the open guy, getting aggressive. He still doesn't have a shot, but he still is scoring. He's still getting his teammates involved, still rebounding the ball. I mean, he looks good as well. I mean, yeah, both of them. When you have him and Embiid on the floor at the same time, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, it looks great. And I know Sixers fans have to be excited watching that. And just thinking about the future, you know, day in, day out, game after game, if you can get that performance. And right now it seems like they're still trying to monitor Embiid's workload. Well, you have but to. But they all let him go a little bit. You yeah, have to. You have to, yeah. But, I mean, he's still playing some minutes, and he's not disappointing at all. No, he's not. I mean, even uh, before the Laker game, I remember – he played. They played the Clippers, and he just put on a clinic against the Clippers too. And but I mean, Tuesday night, that was just oh no, last night rather, that was just historic. You know the the seven assists, the seven blocks, the forty six points. I mean, he almost had a quadruple double, man. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, you got that. You got that big two right now, in in Philly. We don't know what we're gonna get. I mean, Covington. I mean, he's he's got paid. Yeah, he's got paid. He's, he, he's a good player too. I mean, 
it, it doesn't sound so crazy. It's not so crazy that he was in that picture in, in the summer now, right? No, nah, not at all. That, who's thought? Who yeah. thought that folks, you know, it should have been them three, but. Yeah. Sixers see him as a piece. Yeah. Sixers see Covington as a building piece. Exactly. I mean, and it's all coming together. It's all coming together. Well, yeah, I gotta, I gotta eat a little bit of crow. I think at this point in you time, do, you do. I was skeptical you know. about the Sixers. I, you know, well, I was skeptical about the health, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see Simmons being this good this fast, and I think that's the biggest yep. difference. I think that's the biggest difference between what I thought going into the season and and what I see now is you know Ben Simmons playing point guard there was nothing really to to say for sure that he was going to be n- outstanding there uh, he played power forward at LSU we hadn't seen him in over a year after the foot injury and then all of a sudden he's going to play point guard but the dude is an athletic freak he has the quickness he has the agility he has everything you need for that position and by the way he's 6'10 and towers over everybody Exactly. And this is exactly what happened with Embiid. You know, you saw the shots of Embiid in practice shooting threes. I remember you saying, okay, that's just practice, you know, that he can't do that in the game. We saw his movement, so his athleticism. We're like, okay, again, this is just practice. You know, Simmons, they talked about him being a point guard. Still, we said, okay. That's wishful thinking. He has good court vision, but that's not real gameplay. But so far, all of those things that we thought is actually coming to fruition. So, well, settle down, settle down. It's not all perfect. It's not all perfect. It's not all perfect. Listen, Embiid, Embiid rose to the detriment of Okafor, and Simmons right now is thriving at the expense of faults. Right. Okay, I, false. The story is still early to tell. It's still early, it's still too early. but Okafor, it's Okafor. It's it's kind of written. I still think that Okafor can go to another team and still be a fifteen and ten player. Yeah, uh, I don't think teams will win with him doing that, but he could do that. No, no, I think he can be that that stopgap center on a team. Wait, you think he can average has... ten rebounds a game? You think Okafor can average ten rebounds a game? Jaleel Okafor. I think he can average nine to ten rebounds a game. All right, all right. I do. And that would mean I he's do. like the only rebounder on that team, then. Oh yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. because he's... you know if he's on a team where he's got other people that can rebound, he's not getting to ten rebounds. He he doesn't he doesn't fight enough on the glass to get ten rebounds while other teammates are getting rebounds. But that's what makes the whole thing with Okafor so sad is that right now. We seen that about him. We saw how slow he is. We saw how just dysfunctional he seems and not interested in defense. And now you have the process. He does it all. He, he, he's doing it all. He's playing on both sides of the court. He's bringing you energy. And to Okafor's defense, Okafor is a very old-fashioned kind of center. Granted, still play defense, but this is an old-fashioned kind of center that 
You know, that's uh, not what this league needs right now. That's not what this league is. I, I can't even you give know? him that. I can't even give him that as an excuse because, I mean, we're going to talk about him, but and not just we're going to I want to mention Cousins, but not even just Cousins. There's a lot of guys in the league now who have been adapting to make sure the league doesn't just pass them by. You got like Brooke Lopez, Mark Gasol. These guys are reinventing themselves on the fly, stepping out to the three-point line, making sure they can still be a, a key contributor wherever they are. You've got, I mean, Boogie Cousins. He's not the he's not fleet of foot, and he has he has you know he has weight issues. He's had weight issues. He's fought in the past. He, he's not like he's a great talent, but he's not a, a uber athletic guy. And this dude's basically playing point guard with with Anthony Davis up top, shooting threes, getting assists, you know. So it's all about what you put in. I mean, Okafor he has his warts, but if he developed all the other things that were within, were with, are within his capability to develop, because he came in as a very skilled player, right? He he was very polished on the offensive end, had a lot of low post moves. He was he's a pretty solid shooter from 18 feet. There's nothing to say that you he couldn't have stretched that out to 24, 25 feet behind a three point line. There's nothing to say that he couldn't learn how to pick up the ball, put put on the you know dribble a bit, work on his dribble, work on his court vision, work on his passing. All those things come with the effort you put in in your craft. And some guys put it put it in, and some guys don't. And yeah, some kinds guys are just on the wrong team at the wrong time. But I think a lot of it is they're just guys who are willing to do the work, and there are guys that aren't when you get to that level. That is true. But now here's what we're saying. We say he could have, he could have, he could have. He's only been in the league for two years. This is third year. This is his third year. He's not playing. He's not developing. I mean, if, if you want to see what he can do, send him to the, to the G League. You know, but he has to accept right that. He, he has to accept the. He has uh, accept it. Yeah. Right now, he's just sitting on the bench. He's not developing. He's only twenty-one, so we're not like we're talking about a twenty-six, twenty-seven-year-old player. He's twenty-one. He would be in his what senior year in college or junior year in college. He's young. Senior. He'd so, be a senior in college. Senior in college. So he's young, and right now he's not getting that opportunity to get out there. And show what he can. Rightly so. I mean, because we we want to see the Embiid show. We don't want him to interrupt that. Don't get me wrong, but it was a failed experiment. You know, you you got Okafor. Could he have worked out on other teams? Probably. I mean, other guys have said. Other coaches have said we can coach this guy up. We can use him, but no one's going to trade for him because his value is dirt right now. Yeah. I so, mean. do 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 I think his game can evolve? Could he get behind a three point line? Of course, I think he could. There's no reason why he can't. But he ain't getting behind, he. I mean, he ain't getting behind a three point line sitting on the bench, not getting any play in practice. Right. He, he's not. He's not developing. He's he's 21 years old, not developing, just sitting there. So it's kind of unfair. Speaking up for him, could and I hope that they trade him. I hope they buy him, you know, buy him out, or just outright release him and find a place for him. 
and he probably will be able to sign somewhere else. I don't think his career is over by any stretch of the imagination. Just the wrong fit. They tried the experiment with him and Noel. I mean, come on now. That you knew that was gonna fail from the moment they tried it. Yeah. Yeah, his career is definitely not over. I, you know, I just think the he's he's not gonna have the, the career I think a lot of people hoped he would at this point. No. There's still a lot of time. Things can change. Um but a lot would have he would have to change a lot, I think, in the way he plays as well to hit that level people hoped he could reach he'll be motivated if he goes to a team who wants to win all right we'll see if and i I have absolute confidence in that if if the spurs were to call him i keep going back to them if they were to call him and say you know what we're gonna carve out 20 to 24 minutes for you a game you come out there you play or boston i mean Jonathan been asking for Jalil Oku for the last two years to come to Boston. There are teams out there who want him, and mm. and they feel that they can work on him. They so this isn't, you know, he can work. He you just got to put in the time, and he's got to put in the time and be willing to make that those adjustments. But it can be done. So. That's all I have to say about that. But I don't want to spend too much time on Okafor because it's such a depressing, sad thing. It is. This, it is. This this pod really should be dedicated to Embiid and the process. But you know what? If we're going to talk about the, the process, we do have to talk. We have to go all the way to the West Coast. And we have to find out. And we're not talking about all the way over. We're not talking about going over to... China with that ball brother. Rather, we want to stop at Lonzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was good. That was good. I wasn't ready for that. You wasn't ready for. I mean, I don't know, man. The way Leandro's going around, he might have stole Lonzo's game too. I don't know, man, because he does not have it right now. He does not have well, it. I mean. You go overseas to steal glasses, and you stole glasses of all things, glasses. Yeah. And get caught, dummy. Oh man. Well, his—I mean, his father didn't give him much hope anyway. He kind of like labeled him like the third son. Which is rough. That, I mean, that's rough. That's a rough yeah, life, he, man. Your, your own father said he's not gonna get drafted. He's gonna get signed to play in the G League and then eventually get go up to the Lakers. So yeah. his father's pretty much already said that he's yeah, not. Yeah, that was right. I mean, he already has the middle child syndrome. Then you're gonna do that to him in the media. That's that's rough. That's rough. I mean, your younger brother got a sneaker. You don't. Your yeah, yeah. Going all over Monday Night Raw, wrestling, and all these other interviews. He's not. His brother is on the Lakers. Sitting out in the fourth quarter. Well, Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So, this was another game, second game in a row, where Alonzo pretty much sat out the fourth quarter. And I can't say it was unwarranted. I'm not going to sit here as this fan that's like, oh, you got to give him his time. You got to let him work through it. No, his shot's not falling. To me personally, I think it's at the point where it's in his head now that his shot's not falling. He he almost takes 
he almost takes the jumper now like he expects it not to go in when I see him put it up, put those shots up. Um, he, he's got to keep trying, so I, you know, I give him an A for effort. He's still putting shots up, but I think he has to... I think he has to go with a little, he has to have a little more aggression and not take shots because he knows he has to take shots, but actually look for different ways to score. You know, he's he's kind of just settling for what the defense is giving him. He's not switching it up. Um, as a team, the Lakers are terrible right now shooting the three. There's not a, there's not a, a lot of good three-point shooters on the team right now. Even the better ones are shooting in the low 30% range. Like even Kuzma, he's in the low 30s. Ingram's like at 31%. But what you do see from guys like Kuzma, like Ingram, is they're switching it up. They're taking it to the basket. They're pulling up on a mid-range jumper. They're, they're doing different things to score. And, and that's, what Le- that's what Lonzo has to do. He has to develop different ways to score. He can't just say spot up three or try this floater that I've never tried before and hope it goes in. It's not going to work. And I agree. I think those are some of the things he has to learn and have to work through. And He's got to go to the basket like he wants to score, like he is determined to get that ball in the hoop. I don't see that from him. And maybe that's a confidence thing. Maybe that's just him fighting himself because he's not that type of person naturally. And but he's got to learn it. He's got to develop it. Um, and maybe that's something that doesn't come till next year or the year after that. But he he's got to find ways to he's got to find ways to be productive. Otherwise, because Jordan Clarkson he's been on fire lately. And you know what? He's a young guy too. It's not like it's not like Lonzo's getting benched for Ronnie Price right now. He's he's getting he's getting benched for another young guy who's fighting for his spot and wants to prove that he should be in the Lakers' long term future. We already see how they're talking about Julius Randle, how those reports came out. He's not in the long-term plans. He, he's coming off the bench. He's coming off the, He's in the second unit. Um, he's, he's, um, Larry Nance and Kuzma have been the preferred starters over Randle. Um, he's still playing well, to his credit. But, you know, Clarkson, he's been in rumors. He, he was a second-round pick. Not a lot of people think too highly of him. So he's still trying to prove his worth, too. So... Lonzo needs to realize, hey, if I don't step my game up, if I don't figure this out, I could keep losing more and more playing time if I don't get this together. You know what? And I think I got to give Luke Walton some credit. I'll give him plenty of credit because it's it's good coaching to say, you know what, I'm going to sit this young guy down in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. because of how he's playing. He's And that's the thing about Lonzo's game. And I think that's where he is going to have to learn. Up to this point, he probably relied a lot on natural ability. Yeah, I think and so. That, that natural ability, the fact that he was playing against slower competition, he was playing against inferior competition, I think that kind of got to him. And when he got to the NBA, he just said, you know what, the game's going to come to me. And that's not the approach he needed to have. He needed to have the approach of going into it and taking over the game, taking right. the game, taking, get your opportunity and take it. And I think he's very passive and, and it shows. Yeah. And what I'm hoping is that this benching will wake him up a little bit, kind of give him a little fire in his eye 
and will make him go out there and you know get aggressive. Now, being aggressive doesn't mean just keep shooting. I mean that that's no. not what we're saying. We're saying you're going to get aggressive, drive to the drive to the basket, you know, get your team teammates involved even more. You know, don't be so passive. Yeah, get I mean, to the line. Shot, Take some free throws, you know? That's yeah. Yeah, that shot. I mean, wow. I mean, it's 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 bad. <laughs> it's bad. And I mean, I understand kind of why he shoots like that. It's kind of one of those things that he's been doing since he was younger. Yeah. It, it reminds me of Kevin Martin. Remember Kevin Martin? Remember how Kevin Martin used to shoot? Yeah. It's it's ugly until it goes in. You know what I mean? But and, it ain't going in. And it's, that's the thing. It's not going in. That's the thing. Um, it's not going in, and it takes too long to develop. The shot, by the time he gets the ball and he starts winding up that shot, the person's already in position. No one's playing. No one's right. playing zone defense on this. Everyone's gonna. People right. here are gonna play you, man. By the time you pull that up, your man's back in position, ready to box you out, ready to go and block that shot. It, right. it, it's 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 there. So they're defending it. Yeah. So that's true. You don't you don't have time to wait for the coverage to come to to you. It's that it's not happening. Yeah. So unless you're gonna take someone off the dribble and create that shot it ain't happening and that's what he needs to do i mean the stat line everyone was looking forward to that game yesterday Mm -hmm. and everyone was thinking ben simmons versus lonzo okay can i say something about that real quick though can i say something about that i hated that i hated that you know why i hated that for no other reason because they totally overlooked the fact that it was that yeah, you had the two point guards. Okay, but first of all, that should have been that shouldn't have been the match. The match should have been Fultz versus Lando, and then they had the one because then they had the one and two from this year playing against each other. Well, Fultz didn't play, but then you had the one and two from last year playing each other, Simmons and Ingram, and no one even talked about Ingram. And then Ingram had a really good game last night. The, the fact of the matter is, is that Ingram. It's a whole thing, as you said, second year, and people don't talk about it. Now, the, to your point, that would have been a better storyline. One versus two from the past two years going against each other. Yeah, That would have been a better storyline. I mean, granted, both did really make that possible. Um, right. <laughs> it was a no-show. Well, he's, but, he was hurt. he's hurt, you know, so... He's hurt. Yeah, he's hurt. He's 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 his feeling. Uh, he's hurt. Yeah, yeah. His shoulders hurt. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so so, I mean, that would have been a better storyline. They went with the storyline: Simmons and Bead, Lonzo. I mean, they didn't say much about Ingram, even Kuzma. I mean, let's let's go there. I mean, Kuzma's been playing better than than ball by this, at this point. He, he is, but you know what, too? Kuzma, first of all, I love Kyle Kuzma. You know I've, I've been talking about Kyle Kuzma since he got drafted. All right. And I'm happy that he's performing the way I hope. But the thing with Kuzma is he needed to do this. He needed to do this. He came out, he came into the draft as a college junior. He's, he's, now, he's not just older than Lonzo. He's older than Brandon Ingram, too. And I think he's right. the same age as Randall. 
who's already been in the league for like three years. So he needed to do this because he has the maturity. He learned he learned the basics. He learned the fundamentals in college, and now he's coming and he hit the ground running. And that was a large part of why they drafted him where they did. I mean, this guy was getting projected as a late second round pick, and the Lakers said no. He he's got the game. He's ready now. And they drafted him, and he's rewarding them. And and I'm happy for him because at the same time, if he didn't come out of the, if he didn't come out the way he did, he would have just ended up being an afterthought. Look look at I mean, case in point, Josh Hart got drafted like three spots after Kuzma. Josh Hart's already in the G League. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and then Kuzma on the other hand only picked three spots ahead. We're, we're talking about how he's you know the stretch four for the next 10 years for the Lakers, depending on who you ask. Um, but, but his game is, is, is amazing. I, I think even even though he was projected to be a second-round pick and they took him at the end of the first round, that still feels too low to have been drafted right now when you look at the type of player he is. Exactly. And the, he's in the right system. He's in the right place to play. It's looking good. Um, he's looking good. Um the Lakers have players. I, I have full confidence that Lonzo's going to pick it up. So I wouldn't. I mean, we're talking about him right now. We, we there's some concern being expressed, but I won't be overly concerned. It's, it's still early, no. and I still think it's still a learning experience. Especially since, I mean, you 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 play one year in college. You're coming out now. Even when he was in college, I mean, a lot of people spoke about him. Even for my eye test, I mean, he didn't blow me away while he was in college from the games I saw, but that was just me. Mm-hmm. But I knew his ability was there. And I think once he shows that he can take out, just it clicks, a switch just flips in his mind, and he decides to just ball out, hint, hint, mm-hmm. he'll do his thing. It'll that was, be all good. That was terrible, by the way. That was I know it was terrible. It was really, really bad. But you know what? I had to say it anyway. Right. But I know I know he's gonna be fine. I, I have full confidence in his ability. So yeah. I just think that right now he has to go through these growing pains. Agreed. Uh yeah, agreed. The growing pains he hasn't had to go through up to this point. Very true. He, he, did, he didn't have to go in AAU when they said, Okay, sit on the bench or high school or in college. He gives it whatever he wants, and he was still going to play. So now the fact that he has to sit on the bench, hey, yeah, you know what? There you go. go yeah, with it. I agree with you. Uh, I mean, I'm not super concerned. I do want to see him make those adjustments. I, I think he needs to learn. You you can't just play. You can't just play a smooth. You can't you can't just like be cool and suave the whole game and, and at the NBA level. You've got to be assertive. You you got to be a little more quick tit quick twitch with your movements um you know and i even when you talking about his shot i was thinking about that with his shot too i think even that like he's a little too smooth or lackadaisical low energy even with how he puts his shot up he's got to be a little more assertive and and um you know energetic with the way he moves or else he's not going to get that separation from defenders because at the end of the day this is the other thing too about it people are gunning for him People are gunning for Lonzo. People are taking it to him. He he he's not going to go under the radar on anybody. He he is you know marquee viewing 
every night now because of his dad, because of all the hoopla, because of the marketing. Um, and so, and the the guys on the other side, they, they know that. And even if, you know, they can't be drafted second overall like he was at this point, hey, I could still look good on how, if I dominate him in my performance, oh, we're on national TV? Well, let me remind everybody that I'm a good player when I play against him. And that's what's been happening. And so... On top of all that, you you can't you can't try and just be smooth and passive when everybody's be getting in your face. You gotta you gotta get you gotta go back at them. You gotta go back at them, exactly. and he needs to learn that. Yeah, he's gonna learn it sooner or I mean, later. I mean, he's learning it. He's learning it the hard way, unfortunately. But you, but know, you know what? The, the shots Bible are gonna left. fall a little bit. The, the shots are gonna start to fall. As, especially the open ones, he he can't keep missing this many open shots. You know, he's just gotta um he's gotta create his own rhythm. He can't just let the game, like you said, can't let the game come to him. He's gotta develop his own rhythm. He's gotta you know take people off the dribble, dribble drive, dribble step back. You know, just don't try to just wait for your shot within the offense because it's not always gonna come. It's not always gonna come that way. So you gotta you gotta get yourself going, and as the point guard, that's necessary. Because once he gets going, that's gonna open up the real key to his game so much more. Once people have to respect his scoring, his passing ability is just gonna be elevated times ten, and and that team is really gonna make a whole lot more sense once that happens. Exactly. All right. Well, enough Lakers, enough Sixers, but. Correlated, you know, we were talking about Simmons, we were talking about Lonzo. I wanted to talk to you about point guards because there seems to be a big shift in what we think of as a point guard in the NBA today. Like Ben Simmons, 6'10 point guard. I mean, and he's a legit point guard. He's not like faking it. It's not like the way like LeBron runs point forward. No, Ben Simmons is a true point guard. And, and that's really crazy. And when you look at the league, you got you got Ben Simmons. I mean, Giannis. Giannis runs a lot of point guard. Even when you look at the Pelicans, Boogie Cousins is essentially that team's point guard when you look at the way they run their offensive sets. So I wanted to talk about this new age big man as the point guard. And is this the next logical step or countermeasure to the small ball that has uh, infected the league the last couple of years? Let me see. Permeated the league. Infected, it sounds negative. Permeated the league the last few years. You know what? I, I'm going to say it's not a new phenomenon. I think what's more noticeable is the big man playing further and further away from the basket. Mm-hmm. That's making their role in the offense more pronounced. Because if you look at some of the other big men in history, whether it's Jabbar, whether it's Wilt, I mean, they still, in a lot of cases, had average five assists a game, six assists a game. And That's true. Uh, there were times where the offense still ran through them. The ball would come to them, but they were closer to the basket, back to the basket. They would catch the drive in person. They'll kick the ball out. Offense still kind of went through them, or you might have someone bring the ball up, and when they brought the ball up the court, the ball went to the center, and center being in the center of the offense would, you know, distribute the ball around. If someone got defended, went back to him, he shot, he passed the ball back out. 
So the center person, the person who played center, still was involved in the offense a lot, and a lot of it still went through him. Now there was still some you know, schemes where the point guard started taking a lot more of that responsibility of passing and distributing, but the big men still had a lot. You know, we started going through a wave. I mean, even Hakeem Olajuwon was a, a good passing big man. So it was still there. But like I said, what you're seeing more now is the center playing further and further away from the basket, where now you have a seven-foot guy not in the paint. No, you have a seven-foot guy behind a three-point line, and you have to watch him. Yeah. And then when you go and you step in on him, you turn around, and he's in the paint grabbing an offensive rebound. <laughs> so it's 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 so quick. It's so dynamic. But even in the case of, like, I use the case of Andre Drummond, he's a guy who you don't see going way out to the three-point line. But a lot of the offense still runs through him. The ball will get fed into him, and he will, you know, start feeding other players and getting them involved in the game. Mm-hmm. And he's involved in some decision making. So I wouldn't say it's a new phenomenon. I would just say it's something that um, people are starting to take notice of, whether it's the fans, whether it's the coaches and staff, whether it's whoever it may be. And you're starting to see it more. Okay. Especially with these big men who are getting becoming more athletic, less back to the basket, more moving around the court. Yeah, I mean, there's a we got a lot of big men who with guard skills. You know, I, I I forgot to mention Jokic. I thought about Jokic after you mentioned Wilt and Kareem because last winter I wrote that article about Jokic and I compared him to Wilt, Wilt and Kareem because those three guys were like the only three guys that had a certain set of numbers and were shooting like about like 60% for effective field goal percentage. And that's a guy who... who takes a couple takes a couple of threes every game too but when you look at Denver he's he's basically the point guard but like you said instead of being down low he's up by the three point line boogie and anthony davis you know they're both seven footers who basically play point guard and shooting guard better than the point guard and shooting guard they have on the team yeah but and, but then at the same time think about some of these guys growing up who do they want to be like? Jordan. You know, they want they want to be like Jordan. They want they they grew up playing that style of game. It's just the fact that they grew up taller than everyone else, and then their game became okay. Well, since you're six ten or seven or seven foot one or whatever, now you're gonna be a center. But that didn't mean that that game that they had is gone. The game is still there, and now they're saying, hey, you know what? positionless basketball go do your thing go be that person you were before and that's what you're seeing and that's what's so cool about it because a lot of guys i mean here we go i mean okafor grew up to be wanting to be that dominant center Mm -hmm. but these other guys didn't you know they didn't want to be that guy you know staying under the basket so they're running around and that's why they can be that point guard and now you want your point guard who's not just a pass-first point guard. You want your point guard who has the ability to shoot. So do you think we're getting closer to having that next Magic Johnson? I know we threw, there's some names that get compared to him. 
there was there was a couple guys who almost were able to do it. Remember Penny was Penny Hardaway. If he had stayed healthy, he he could have perhaps been that. Couple other guys, um, you know, people even kind of compared LeBron to Magic Johnson. Um, but with a player like Ben Simmons, six ten, but he's really looking to make the pass. He's starting the fast break on his own, doing a lot of things like Magic used to do. Are we get, not saying that Ben Simmons is now going to be the next Magic Johnson, but it's it's becoming more and more likely that we'll have an, an, more players like Ben Simmons, like Giannis, guys like that. So you think we're getting closer and closer to not just maybe having the next Magic Johnson, but guys that play like Magic Johnson being more of a regular thing in the league? I think so. But in, but it depends because you still don't have a lot of pass-first guys the size of Magic. You still have guys who look for the shot, but yet the offense still runs through them. But you are getting closer. I mean, we've spoke about LeBron being that guy. We spoke about, now we talk about Ben Simmons being potentially that kind of guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see someone in the near future who could be like that, you know, yeah. that pass first. I mean, that's how LeBron plays. You know, he looks for the pass to a fault sometimes. And then the only time he really takes on that that mentality is when they're down or when motivated. But usually it looks for the pass. So you might start to see more guys who you compare to Magic. You're going to start seeing less guys compared to Michael hmm. and Michael Jordan. That that phenomenon is going to happen. That shift that shift is going to happen, and and I and if remember in our pod before we spoke about it, yeah. you know who would you rather be like? And I think that's where 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 we're going right now. I think so too. That's why that's kind of why I brought it up because it's you know before it was kind of like this this one guy who kind of stood out like like it was LeBron. It was like Penny before him. You know, Grant Hill got a little bit of that buzz. Um, but it was like, you know, singular I guys, you know, just sprinkled around the league at different points in time. But now we're hitting a point where we've got several guys who play a style that makes you think of magic. And we got guys that are coming up in high school and coming up in college now who are probably going to play that. And, I mean, it's hard to say right now because... You know, it's funny. Um, the college game was kind of ahead of the NBA game when it came to ball movement, using the three-pointer, things like that for a while. But I think we're at a point now where the college game is way behind the NBA game in terms of um, playing style. I mean, just look at how Ben Simmons was just relegated to being like a big man from the high elbow at LSU not really giving you any hint of the type of skills he had as a point guard, as a playmaker, and look what he's doing now in the NBA. It really, it really sticks out to you how, how, you know, outdated a lot of these college programs are. Yeah, they're they're outdated. They're still playing the same offense schemes, the same defense. They're still doing the very same similar stuff, same style, same zone defense. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I was listening on the radio this morning, and they were saying that college needs to take a note from the NBA. College used to be more exciting. Yeah. It's not. And, and I think that plays a factor in the way the players are being developed mm-hmm. and what we're thinking a player's skill set is until they get to the NBA and then we're realizing that it's something completely different. I mean, so the argument can be almost made that the, the college game is actually affecting a player's development. Yeah, I mean, you could even say it's negatively affecting it because um, we've seen big men like like Towns and Cousins. They had all these other skills in in their in their toolkit, right? They could shoot the three. They could do all this other stuff, but. You know, Kyle Park plays the same way every year, you know, with the same guys. And he's got so many top 100 high school recruits, he can't really build the offense around any of these one guys. He's got to find ways to use all of them, and, you know, they just play the way that gets them all the ball. They push the pace. They just run people off the court. And then that's, and even though they have all that high-end talent, this is why, you know, more often than not, they're not going to be repeaters to win the championship or they win the championship only a, only every couple of years i mean as many top 100 guys he gets he, he he only wins when he has an anthony davis when he has a cousins or or a, a towns or a player of that of that quality otherwise they get beat up by these teams that have the ball movement that have the the playing style that can really counter that and it's not till like you said it's not till like these guys get into the nba that they start rounding out their game uh, wiggins is another guy I mean, we're still waiting for him to round out his game, which a lot of that probably could have happened in in college before he came into the league. And it's gonna be really interesting if we start if we start to see maybe a push in college to change. You know, maybe a maybe a, a NBA coach or two that can't find work in the NBA, they go to college and they start instituting some of these principles that they're hoping will get them some attention by NBA teams to get hired again by the NBA. That would be an interesting that would be an interesting concept. If we had these NBA some NBA coach who can't get a job in the NBA goes to college but puts in an NBA system to make it work so that if he succeeds in college with the NBA system, teams could look at him and say, Okay, what he's doing can translate to the league and then that might that might be the pendulum swing that might get other other programs to start thinking like that in college too i think the only problem with that is that to really effectively build a system where you have players who buy into it it takes more than one year and in the nba world you have a team and you can have them for several years you have your veterans you have these players who grow Mm-hmm. and they stay together. But now when you go to the college ranks, you have players who are 18 years old coming in, so they're still boys. Right. They're coming in, they're playing. All their life they've been playing AAU, they've been playing this game of me first. And in their mind, for most of them, they're thinking, look, basketball is going to be my life. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to showcase my ability, Right. get picked get my money mm-hmm. and that's that they're not thinking about four years that's true and, that's true and, and so so even a coach and that's in that case you know you can have a coach like Kalapari who's like you know what I could actually sit here and spend time 
building out my system and showing them all the X's and O's and showing them all the placements and everything, Calipari is like, look, you're going to be here for one year. And so let's make the best of this one year. Guess what, guys? You're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. You know, well, he's, so he's never going to do that. Calipari, Coach K, they're never going to do that because they're, you know, and, um, but Coach K, contrastingly, he has a system and whoever comes in, although he has changed that a bit in the last couple of years since he's been getting these one and done guys, Duke usually, usually wasn't really a school where people left early until recently. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't be a big school like that. I think it would have to be somebody going to a, a mid-major like a, a George Mason where Shaka Smart used to coach or a, an Xavier where Brad Stevens used to coach, you know, um, a Butler rather. He went, to, he coached for Butler. Um, it would have to be somebody at a school like that where he's going to get some guys who are going to stay for a couple years because they didn't get recruited by the big school. So therefore, NBA scouts are going to kind of take a little longer to come around to drafting these guys. And it doesn't mean that they won't do well. I mean, some of these guys stay a couple years, you know, in college and, and then come out from one of these uh, lower prominent schools and, and they, they play really well in the NBA. So I think it would have to be like a school like that where you get like you get guys till they're like sophomores or juniors before the scouts really start taking them seriously for the draft. And then you're able to implement that system. That would be ideal. And, so. you know. I'm saying this, and it actually happened. I mean, Brad Stevens did this, and he got hired by an NBA team, and now he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. It doesn't always work that way, though. It doesn't. He's he's an exceptional outlier coach, but this uh, that's a blueprint that if more coaches tried to follow, I think would be good for their careers, but would also elevate the level of play in college in general and i think that's all you really want is that yeah. game in college to to elevate like i don't really watch college basketball i watch it I, once I, it gets to tournament time exactly that's about it and because it's something on the line other than that i find it pretty boring um i find it a lot of the ball being held a lot of the way for the offense gets set and it just takes forever it's very system basketball until there's 10 seconds left on the clock and then it really kind of picks up and that's very boring to me you know yeah there's been and a I big change why, i still don't understand why they don't have a 24 second clock yeah the shot clock's it's, too it's, long stuff, stuff like that kind of annoys me and so it's like all right you know these guys you can't look at a system and say these i'll follow guys like, if I see there's going to be an interesting matchup going, I say, okay, you know, I've heard that this guy is potentially a number one pick. Let me go watch it, see how he does. Let me see what his game is. Okay, wow. Now that I know how he plays, I can go back to talk to you, talk on a pod, and have something to talk about. But other than that, you know, it's not. it doesn't translate. It's not good. But – and going back to those coaches, if you can find a coach who's able to go into a system like that and to build a team, I'm all for it. I'll follow it. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's good. But we kind of we kind of detract and we got down into the nitty gritty. Started of talking course. about college. You know, this happens to us sometimes. But you know, speaking of Brad Stevens, that leads me to 
the Boston Celtics, and in particular, a player on the Boston Celtics I wanted to talk about. I mean, right now, the Celtics are playing the Warriors. Their 12-game winning streak is on the line. They're playing the best team in the league, and they're faring pretty well. They just they just came back from a big a big deficit, and now that and now they're playing. They're going back and forth with with the Warriors, but more importantly, the focal point of the Celtics, which is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is having a great season so far. His team is the best team in the league. They're they're basically getting they're being considered like the team that is most likely going to rival the Warriors in the finals. This this matchup was kind of billed that way. You know, Kyrie versus Steph, Celtics versus Warriors. Um the two teams that are really embodying positionless basketball the most right now in the league. So I gotta ask you, it's still early, it's only November, but did Kyrie make the right decision to bet on himself and force that trade? Absolutely. Mm. Explain. He he put himself in a position to be in a better situation. Um and in this case, the fact that he went to the Celtics is a great situation. He could have went to Suns, which would have been a horrible situation. But it just so happened to work out for him. Mm-hmm. And now he gets a chance to lead a team. He's doing an effective job at that. So good for him. So far, it's working out. And you see that he's embraced the opportunity. And the teammates, his teammates love him. And they're playing at a high level. So can't be mad at it yeah it's it's really amazing how the stars have kind of aligned for Kyrie and this move to the Celtics I mean one I mean unfortunately Gordon Hayward got injured but in a lot of ways I think it allowed for this team to kind of just make more sense in a way this season because it allowed uh you know allowed Jalen Brown and Tatum to play side by side, which is that's been the biggest surprise of the year, I guess. How how good those two have looked, especially on the defensive end all year. Um, and you know Horford, solid veteran, a good a good second fiddle, third star type of player, but at the same time is not going to compete to want to be the alpha male on the team. That's perfect for Kyrie, and Kyrie is. He's buying into this system. He he loves this system. He loves move. He's moving the ball around. I mean, it's not like he's turned into this uber point guard now that LeBron's out of the way. I mean, his assists are about the same, but he's kind of fitting in a system. He he's um playing with playing within himself, playing with his teammates, but also being that guy that can take over and get buckets when they need it, and. It just it seems all to be just kind of merging together very well so far this season. Now, do you think that the Celtics are the team to beat in the East? Yep, I, I, I absolutely do. Even uh, when the... even when Isaiah Thomas comes back. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. Wow. Because even when Isaiah Thomas comes back, there's still going to be some growing pains. There's still going to be a a few weeks till he actually gets everything going. 
And you still have to see how the dynamic between LeBron and Isaiah Thomas works. You know, LeBron's still going to play like LeBron. Mm -hmm. So we're just saying, okay, Thomas is going to fit right back in there and do what he does. But the team is still old. The team is still slow. Yeah. Um, Every game is still still close. I mean, those things have not changed. So now you take a guy with a bad hip in there and all of a sudden everything gets out better? I don't think so. It's going to take a lot more than that. So, nope, I don't think Isaiah Thomas drastically makes the team better. It does make the team better, but it's not going to pay dividends overnight. Right. So does this help cement the idea that LeBron is going to go out west? Because the Cavs... They look like they're on their last legs, right? They look like they're on their last legs. You pointed out all the reasons why Boston would they were building up to this, but now it seems like they're already here. They're the cream of the they're the you know, they're the creme de la creme. They're the cream of the crop. They're at the top of the east. They look like they're the best team in the east, and they're a very young team as well. So there's really no reason to think that's going to change in the next two years especially with Gordon Hayward back you know um you can find a young replacement for Horford at some point I don't think that's going to be too hard to do um and this thing is just going to keep rolling and the Cavs are not going to be in a position to battle with that moving past this year so does this now paint the picture that has LeBron going out west? Nope, I think LeBron's going to New York. LeBron, he, whoa, whoa! This is breaking news. I was not ready for this. So, I know you weren't. No, I was not at all. So you think that LeBron is going to go to the Knicks? I think there's a very strong possibility of LeBron going to the Knicks. I can wow. definitely see. Um, cancer, um, cancer being moved so that they don't have to deal with that conflict. I can see Frank <laughs> apologizing. I can see LeBron going to New York. I can see Chris Paul signing with New York, and him and LeBron both playing together, and Porzingis playing together in a Knicks uniform. LeBron now doesn't have to take work too hard. He now has his. Buddy and Chris Paul, he has now Przingis carrying a lot of the load, and LeBron can be the king of New York, riding the subways, giving uninterrupted videos all the time. LeBron, I think, has a very strong possibility of going to NYC. First of all, can you not? Can you not? (laughs) Can I not what? That's what the guy said in the video. That when he recorded him. Yeah. But do you know what? Later on, he said he didn't, he didn't know that was LeBron. Yeah, and he said he doesn't follow football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, wow. You think, t- you think all his boys are like, are you serious, guy? How you make a fool of yourself? You could have yeah. got an autograph or something. Oh, of course, of course. So do you think that... This is something he's thinking now because of how good Porzingis looks this year so far. LeBron's a businessman. Mm-hmm. And in addition to LeBron trying to find the best situation for him, 
he's also trying to find a best situation for his brand. And I think this would be a good situation for his brand. To um, revitalize Madison Square Garden, the New York Knicks franchise. Oh, yeah. Have a franchise who's been down for so long. You come over there, you revitalize it, and now everyone's talk going to Knicks games and everything's about the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Why, why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not go there to the Mecca of basketball and do that? So, so he pens a letter. So he pens a letter for Lee Jenkins and Sports Illustrated, and he carefully leaves out Frank Nilakina and Enos Cantor's names from the letter. And then, you know, down and then that later on that summer they get they get traded, <laughs> like uh, like what happened with Andrew Wiggins and, and Dion Waiters. LeBron's going to make an uninterrupted video. Uh, of him in the back of his car, his transit van. And in the back of that van, he's going to talk about making something new for his brand. And as part of making something new for his brand, he is going to say it and make it official that he is going to New York. Mm, I can see it. mm, 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 mm. He's going to New York. LA is nice, but I think LA has too many pieces, too much stuff happening right now. LA is still a bunch of young guys. Music to my ears, all of it. And I think LeBron still feels like he still has a little too much left in the tank. If he had less stuff in the tank, he could say, "I go to New York and go go to LA and you know let these young guys do it and come out there." But nah, I can see him coming to New York. And, I mean, Porzingis yeah. is better than any of the young players the Lakers have right now, just to be honest. He's ahead of all of them. He, You know, he's a unicorn. He's a very special player. Um, he can carry an offensive load. He's a great defensive player. I think LeBron needs a defensive anchor like that moving forward. Of course. Chris Bosh 3.0. Yeah, it's a, it's a good foil to uh, kind of cause problems to that Celtics team. I mean, Horford, he would probably have all kinds of fits with Porzingis in a series. It's, a, it's interesting, man. I mean, this is all music to my ears because I don't really want him to come to the Lakers. Plus, I don't think we're at a point where we're ready for him to come to the Lakers because that's going to mean trading all the young guys away for his for his banana boat buddies or whoever it may be. Um, I The guy I think, and I've been doing a lot of thinking, and the guy I've decided... I think the Lakers need to get on um, the superstar they need is DeMarcus Cousins. That's who I think they need. Good move. Good move. I like it. Um, I look at this team, and, you know, they play very hard. They play really well. But a lot of nights, especially the nights that they lose, you can just see that, hey, as hard as they're playing, they just don't have the best player on the court, and that's why they're losing right now. But you bring Cousins in, that eliminates that issue, and that's – the position I think they need the most. I mean, Brooke Lopez is great, but he's on an expiring contract. You bring DeMarcus in, even if you trade at the deadline, you, you move Randall, you move Brooke, whatever it takes. Maybe you, you offer to take Rondo's contract off the Pelicans' hands in the deal to make it more worthwhile. I think it gives the Pelicans more depth as a team, more pieces to put around Anthony Davis. If you do a 
trade with like Randall or and like KCP and like Brooke for like Cousins and Rondo or whatever else. I think that gives Davis more guys to go to bat with to try and make the playoffs. Um, even though you take a big piece off of that team. And I don't think he's going to stay long term because if they're fighting for a 7 and 8 seed, as great as him and Anthony Davis are playing this year, do you really think he's going to sign up for five years there, the next five years in New Orleans? No. So no. But... So they move him so they get something instead of just letting him walk for nothing. And then the Lakers get him in, and then they can make sure to lock him in. They have his bird rights. And that's the superstar they need because then they have a center, Kuzma, Ingram, uh, Ball. If Clarkson's, if you're able to keep Clarkson, that's great. You have Clarkson. Um, you got Larry Nance. You got all of these players that would fit around a big man like Cousins. And then he's also your superstar. I think it makes sense. It makes sense. I can see it. So, Boogie Cousins, Los Angeles Lakers in 2018. That's that's what I want. You got LeBron going to the Knicks. I got Cousins going to the Lakers. Wow. A lot of a lot of exciting stuff going on. But uh, before we go, before we go, we got to go and we got to turn, turn it over to Leif so he can hit us with his dude and his dud of the week. Oh, man. Take so, it away. Dude and dud of the week. You know, the dude and dud of the week, it's definitely split between Ennis Cantor and LeBron James, if you ask me. For both? Yeah, I mean, it's between them. And so I'm going to surprise you a little bit here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the dude of the week is Ennis Cantor. That is surprising. <laughs> my man stood up for his team. I do. I got to give him that. Only thing I'm going to say, though, the only thing I'm going to say what? about that is where was that last year when Zaza Pachulia laid Westbrook out? You know what? My man learned a lesson. Yeah. Because, you know, right after that, he learned a lesson and Westbrook tore into him. And so he realized, Probably. you know what? Yeah. I, I can't I can't do that anymore. He learned a lesson. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all about learning lessons in life. And he learned a valuable lesson that night with Westbrook and Zaza. And yesterday or the other day, he showed that that lesson was he learned and he was able to apply that lesson in how he handled LeBron. Yeah, that was cool. And, I give him props for stepping up for the French Prince like that. Yeah, and instead and, and, and we're not gonna say, oh, he just went up there and he stood up for him. But my man did tw- he had twenty sixteen and four. Yeah, he has some numbers. <laughs> so he has some numbers. So he put up numbers along with that and continued talking trash before and after the game. So Definitely my dude of the week. So if I'm gonna give him my dude of the week, LeBron, I have to give you dud of the week. I have to. Why? I have to give LeBron dud of the week. One, he's talking too much again, mm. and I know he feels like, oh, he, he, you know, I'm gonna gonna keep talking. First, talking about the Dennis Smith should be a Nick. Okay, we know every. That is news that everyone knows. <laughs> why 
well, why are you saying it? Well, hold on, like, hold on. Do you think that it's that much of a slam dunk, especially the way Frank has looked on the defensive end and the way his passing has looked over the last, last couple of weeks? Dennis Smith is a different player, though. He's Dennis a different player. They're both, they play differently, but that's part of my point. Yeah, Frank isn't dunking on dudes and dropping buckets like Dennis Smith is, but he's a different player. And not necessarily, to me, I don't think he's necessarily that far off of Dennis Smith at this point. Uh, I'm not going to say that. I'm sorry. You're not going to get me to buy into that. Dennis Smith does not play defense and does not make the type of passes um, Frank has been making. I'm not going to buy into that yet. All right, yeah, I'm just saying it's. I'm just not saying it's a slam I, I know, dunk. Dennis Smith is I know better. It's not a slam dunk. It, it, I, I hear you. I'm right with you. But nah, I'm not gonna go there yet. Nah, I still think Dennis Smith is a better player. Okay. So, but that's one thing. Then for him to say he's taking shots at Phil Jackson. Come on, B. Really, Phil Jackson's not even there anymore. Right. Right. Like. What shots are you taking? You're thinking too hard. Between that, between the the Arthur fist, come on, man. Like, what are you doing? And then, you know, then that post he put up about he's the king of New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, when he did that, it settled in my mind. He was the dud of the week. It was like, <laughs> all right, you, like, you're the king of New York, really? Yeah. It was... And it's just... This is tasteless. I've never seen any other player do something like that where they take a picture on the center court with the opponent's logo and call themselves the king or owner or whatever of that city. That's just the utter disrespect. (laughs) Yeah, it was the epitome of grandstanding. It was tasteless, like you said. Yeah. So unless he's doing that as a way to say he's coming to New York, it's very tasteless. It, and, yeah, he deserves dud of the week. All right. I mean, anytime you want to throw some shade at LeBron, I'm not going to stop you, man. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm just going to eat it up, man. And I'm, I'm like that Ezekiel Elliott meme right now with the bowl of cereal. I'm just eating it up. I mean, that was that was pretty good. Um yeah, I mean, he he's a little he was interesting this week. He was interesting. And the point you made about the picture in King of New York, that's a good point because I mean, people call Kobe arrogant, but Kobe never even did anything like that. Even after he dropped 62 in the garden that night. He never exactly. did stuff like that. So yeah, that that was wild. And then, you know, they did the subway thing, which was fine. But that was all, like, a bit much, like, to record it. Like, it was, it was, like, attempt, to me, it was, like, an attempt to be cool, but it's, like, stuff you, it's, like, stuff you do to try to be cool, but people that really know what that's about don't think it's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you made, yeah, like, you made this whole big deal about the subway, about all this, but it's, like, New York. Like, anyone who's ever been to New York City, it's not a big deal that you filmed that. I, you can see somebody famous all the time. It happens. So, 
I don't know. That's just my take on it. But you had it. You had it all well done with your dud of the week, your dude of the week. Um, that was a good one. I I liked it. Nice. So, so. All right. This is a really good game. Looks like Warriors Celtics is about to go into OT, um, which is, you know, just another uh, another notch in uh, Kyrie's belt with about this move. But we're gonna we're gonna stop here. We're gonna go watch this game, watch how it ends, and we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, as always, you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for following us on Twitter. Thanks for f- liking our Facebook page. If you haven't done so, go ahead and do that. Give us a th- thumbs up. Facebook.com slash Pace and Space Podcast. Twitter, you can find us on Twitter at Pace and Space Pod. And also, you can check check me out on Medium from time to time. I write some stuff. Um, if, you, if you're into uh, reading, it's good for you. You should read more. And you can follow us personally. I'm at Twitter at Caldan384. And Leif is at LDB Creations. And as always, follow the pod on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on Overcast. We will be posting episodes like we do every Friday. Leif, you got anything else to say to the people? Oh, yes. Everyone, trust the process. Ah, trust the process. You heard them, folks. And once again, stay woke and stay mellow.